0: This is episode eighteen. I'm your host, Jesse Williams, joined by co-host Austin Zamhareri. This week our guest is a candidate running for lieutenant governor on the Republican ticket, Mr. Zach Vance. Welcome everybody.
1: We're doing? Well, doing really great, good. Glad to have you guys, or glad to be on the show with you guys. Thank you for having me. I
2: truly really appreciate it. We um we got to meet Zach in person just two days ago at the taste of texas hemp cup where we were media sponsors and um, there were a lot of people there it was a, a very vibrant uh, wonderful scene tons of uh, community members local to austin people from other parts of the state zach it was a real pleasure meeting you there and so welcome to our show thank you thank you it was a pleasure meeting you guys that was a great event
0: so you you live in austin correct austin texas
1: I live on the outskirts of uh, Travis County. I'm in uh, Lago Vista, actually. But yes, uh, Austin, I guess.
2: Oh, yeah. that's uh, that's where one of our board members lives. That's wonderful. Okay.
1: Yeah, I love it out here. It's, I
2: love the wilderness
1: and just the hills. And it really makes you feel like you're in the hill country, not just in the city of Austin. The city of Austin was way too
0: expensive for me, too. <laughs> anyway, oh, when we were looking for a house. I'm lucky I'm in the position where I'm at where I got my house almost four to five years ago so what i'm paying for my mortgage is way better than anybody could get for rent right now so I, i've really lucked out in that aspect
1: yes yes part- i saw the I story today it, it's up uh like 30 percent, something like that from last
2: year yeah it's insane. it's it's the same way here in the, the north texas area the the marking boom market the housing market has boomed with it's just so crazy how much development and growth and you have some of these big investors coming in and just literally bringing in all cash, just scooping up. That's what I think. Has,
1: that's one of the reasons why I'm running. That has to change. Tech, average Texans now have been priced out of the home market. The only way you can buy a house now is if you sold your house in California or New York or somewhere and you move here. And they're buying them like sight unseen, and and they just have they have play money. And I and one of the one of the things I'm running for just to jump ahead is uh is out of state buyers need to be taxed on on their their offer. So they put an offer on a house they, and the offer goes through, they accept it. They need to be taxed another 20 to 30% on top of that offer because they're putting in offers 20 to 30, 40% over asking price. So if to level the playing field for Texans, they can't afford that. They don't have that kind of money. So that's one of the big things I'm trying to trying to push.
0: So I met you back in, what was it? October, early November? Early yes. November, it was at a Texas normal meeting. And you told me like, Hey man, I'm I'm wanting to run for Lieutenant governor. I'm going to be on I want to run against Dan Patrick. I've been told, I've been pushed towards you, pointed out, pointed me towards you. What can I do? And I was like, well, why don't you come on our podcast? And here you are. I appreciate that you, you're taking the time for this. So let's, no, let's that, get some started on where you stand out on cannabis. Um, I have, So a little bit of history with me. I was in the Marine Corps and I was,
1: I was wounded overseas in 2010. And um, after two years, of uh, I was on pain, heavy, lots of pain medication for over two years and had two surgeries in that time period. And when I got out, I had a lot of issues with uh, like PTSD and anxiety, depression, and then I was heavily addicted to my, my pain medication. And so before I got out, I to the medication and then um, got kind of thrown, thrown back into the, the wild or whatever. But cannabis really helped me. It it gave me a new lease on life. It just made me a, a better person. I was happy again. I, I just, it, it helped me so much. And, I, and that's kind of what got my foot in the door here. I started lobbying in the 86th legislative session. With a lot of veterans for medical cannabis, the big bill in the '86 legislative session was uh, House Bill 1365, which is a full-on medical program. And I went and testified with everybody, lots, lots of people. <clears throat> Sorry, so many people in the room. There's about 80, 80 to 90 percent of the people in that room, the committee hearing, were pro, were wanted the bill to pass, and 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 never made it. I, I, don't, I don't think it even made it to the uh, the Senate floor for a vote. They just, they just kind of, it was, it was all because of Dan Patrick and I this, this has to change. If there's a, a, any, for any bill, if, if it makes it to a committee hearing and, and like 75, 80% of the people in that room want that bill passed, it has to pass. It's, uh, it's absolutely ridiculous that one man has control over all legislation. I and mean, when he, he just decides, I, I, I feel this way about something, so it's not going to happen. So it, that's just one of the, the things that got me in, in the, my foot in the door with this and i saw so many other issues get thrown by the wayside just because of the, the, the same thing since like, same day and just didn't want he's he's stopping texas from becoming has, um, has so much potential and he's and he's stopping it and um but yeah i I'm just i'm, I'm super pro cannabis one thing about cannabis though i i I am meta pro medical cannabis not pro recreational cannabis um I'm, i won like a, a california prop 215 bill or a oklahoma a question i think it was 64 or something like that but. I think recreational cannabis leans more towards the the uh, uh, quantity over quality, and medical cannabis leans towards small farmers and quality over quantity. And I don't want massive producers coming flooding the state and uh, and just hang out with subpar products for really expensive. That's what happened in California when it went wreck. And I do not want that in Texas. I do want a, a quality medical marijuana program, but first decriminalize it for sure. Nobody belongs in in jail for any type of drug. I feel like. Uh, being a drug user doesn't make you a criminal Um, stealing for those to get money for those drugs makes you a criminal but just you being a a drug user nobody belongs behind bars for that and that's that's what has to change
0: i would say a fair way of of pointing out that that nobody behind belongs behind bars for drug use is that they don't owe that sort of debt to society for their drug use
2: absolutely absolutely especially especially for a sickness right so like medical community has deemed addiction a disease right and so we're punished we're literally punishing people for being sick and it just exactly. doesn't make sense and i also first of all would like to uh, thank you for your service um, appreciate it. Thank you. and um thank you also for coming back home in continuing the service by coming to the Capitol and testifying. You said the 86 legislature, uh, this is 2019, correct? Yes. In right. uh, 1365, I remember correctly. Um, and let's address real quick, historically, what the Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick had done. He had just come off uh, winning a re-election bid in 2018 um, against Mike Collier. And we, we had two medical cannabis bills um, that were heard in uh, House committee hearing. Um, one was HB 3703, which was authored by Representative Stephanie Click, who was the author of Senate Bill 339, the Texas Compassion View Act, back in 2015. We also had uh, Representative Eddie Lucio III, who authored HB 1365. And this was the more progressive, expansive, uh, and heavily favored by most of the community this was the bill that I, I think everybody wanted uh, absolutely yes um, and so yes you're correct this bill actually made it over to the legis- uh, to the Senate side before uh, 3703 did They both ended up making it over there um, and in fact they both got super majorities in the house both passed um, yep. and that is where lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, Kind of Stonewall 1365, obviously, was authored by a Democrat. So we know the politics were in play. And then 3703, which was Representative Click's bill, uh, that was the one that moved forward. And it was quite, it was much more limited in scope. Uh, I will also note that Dan Patrick sent out a nasty tweet about um, HB 63, which was the uh, penalty reduction bill for one ounce of flour or less. Um, It would have made flower one ounce or less a class c misdemeanor across the entire state this was doctored in uh for governor abbott uh this this is what governor abbott wanted this is what he had campaigned on uh for the 18 election and um that bill was made for him and passed with a super majority in the house and what does lieutenant governor dan patrick do the minute it comes he says it's dead in the water um and so yeah i just wanted to kind of clarify you yeah, know, yeah. That, that history. And I uh, thank you one more time for coming to the Capitol and getting involved. And and now we're seeing you really getting involved, if you, you know, will. I wrote up, I wrote, wrote up uh, like a four page
1: story of how cannabis really helps my life and went to every office and handed it to them. And I feel like they just walked around the corner and chunked it in the trash. They just don't know, they don't care because they know Dan's not going to pass it. So you could fill your heart and soul these people and say, I need this. I need this in my life, please. And if Dan doesn't want it,
0: you're screwed. Oh yeah, he's a, uh as was pointed out to people this session, he is a one-man calendar committee. He is a one-man committee like driver. He puts everything in the committee. He picks when it goes there. He picks when it can come to the floor. He can mm-hmm. change what's going to... They, they put out this list of what they want to do for the day, and he can suspend that and just move everything where he wants and goes, oh, well, nope. this is more of a priority. Let's do it now. He can literally look mm-hmm. around the gallery and say, oh, there appears to be nobody here let's get this these two or three bills done now and then like we've had it where like there's just you can tell it's majorly it's big time cannabis advocates in the gallery waiting Mm -hmm. and then as they start to taper off throughout the day it's like okay well now we'll do it so there's not as many it, it appears that they do it so there's not as many eyes on the bill
1: exactly exactly
0: right this year uh this year we got the
2: shenanigans
0: with having
2: a really solid Penalty reduction bill, uh, I think it's 2593 was Moody's bill that would have made up to two ounces of concentrated class B misdemeanor, which right now any amount is a felony and still is. Um, And that's where we got the D-8 amendment that was added to the uh, funny thing, a penalty reduction bill that actually added penalties. So um, and then not just that, but there was. D8 language that was to be added to the hemp bill, the hemp expansion bill, that had again passed, passed with a supermajority in the House, and here we have. Ultimately, the responsibility lies on the lieutenant governor, um, wanting this uh, prohibition of, of uh, a specific cannabinoid and/or other cannabinoids to uh, get any kind of cannabis. Legislation passed. And so when when both of those bills, their authors were not in favor of adding that language and essentially both of them died. The only thing that passed was uh, HB 1313. 13, I'm sorry, 1525, which was, again, Representative Click, Stephanie Click's bill. And even it had been tailored for the governor. And had been heavily modified by the uh, by the Senate on the floor and passed at you know to what we have now, which is the 0.5 percent to 1 percent THC by weight. And um, they omitted chronic pain. They did allow PTSD. So um, you know, the Lieutenant Governor 2019 2021. uh, He when it comes to cannabis, uh, he has some very tricky politics that he likes to play yeah
0: so you mentioned zach about oklahoma's program a moment ago and i know something that texans are the, the advocacy scene for texans and cannabis is really concerned about that oklahoma has allowed is what we- firearms oh, i say weapons firearms and they don't restrict the, their medicinal users users from having firearm access whereas people have pointed out they've been wanting to fill the forms out here. And they're like, well, I don't want to fill this out. And we claimed to be lying. And our own legislative representative have said, well, we can't have both. And I wonder where you were, where you possibly stand on that. I think if you can have guns in the home with, a full of beer, you can have guns in the home with plants,
1: cannabis, anything. I think I'm pro second amendment a thousand percent. The biggest thing for me is I want to keep firearms out of the hands of people that should not have them. But if if you're... <laughs> If you're a nurse, a normal person, you love your, you love your firearms. then I think, and you love your cannabis too. Then there's no reason that should be, you should say you can't have, you can't have firearms in your home. If you, if you're a medical cannabis
2: patient or something. Um, I, I kind of want to know um, maybe a little bit about your history with cannabis. Like how did you, 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 went and served obviously. And then you came back um, and obviously you were under the rate, you know, the, the regiment that the VA was probably prescribing how did you come into contact like what was that what's that story um so my whole life
1: whenever i was in high school i used, I smoked uh, cannabis a little bit here and there and then um and then through college and stuff but then when i joined the marine corps <laughs> it kind of like they kind of brainwash you and you're like that's that's just some hippie shit <laughs> and i and the whole time i was in the marines i was like yeah that's just that's awful cannabis is bad and and uh, stay away from it and stuff and and then i once i was wounded over once i was wounded i came back and I was just, I was on a, <laughs> I was on a lot of pain medication and I was on a, a lot of uh, benzo, benzodiazepines. And I was on them pretty heavy for two years and, and and just I was a zombie. I was not myself. I was just a just a, a person that's asleep walking around. And it just it just completely changed who I was as a person. And it took a long it took it took about four months in a in a in a psychiatric rehabilitation hospital for active duty military to get me off all the medication and get me back on my feet with, a uh, um, depression and anxiety and stuff. It was, it took a lot.
2: <clears throat>
1: and so, uh, when I got out, I went to school, uh, I actually went to school in Colorado for a little bit and, um, and just being in Colorado, I wasn't there. I was there, uh, in 2014 for a few months, taking classes, trying to get, I was trying to get into uh, the film school at university of Colorado. And, um, and that's where I, I was around it. And it just, it just, it really just changed my life. I, I, it made me just a happy person because I was always just angry and couldn't sleep and just all the, the stuff that comes with PTSD and it just changed everything. I could sleep at night. I was, I could, I didn't have, ch- I didn't have children. Yet. That's actually what took us back. Uh, my, my wife got pregnant and I couldn't keep a, my son away from uh family. So we ended up just moving right back. Um, once, uh, and so, and then that's when I said things have to change. I, I couldn't, I didn't want to be, I was too afraid to, um, to, oh, I mean, I, I consumed a little bit of cannabis here and there when I came back, but it wasn't, i I just i just wanted my life back how it was there without the freedom because it was it was recreational there and um and i just that the biggest thing i think for people who use cannabis in texas is the paranoia of getting caught that 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 really hurts people and just when you're when you're paranoid about getting caught when you're using cannabis it shouldn't be like that and and I, i think that's just one of the biggest issues that it's hard to you don't just being afraid of of carrying on you or, or having at your house i just i don't know, just i just knew things had to change so it's 2019 rolled around i uh, just got my house i got my story together and i and i went to the all the offices all the uh, senators just try to talk to them and and then i and just and just being around the lobbying too i saw a lot of other uh uh organizations doing lobbying and seeing the things that they care about and and how far they their issues made it in, in the senate and that's what i was like and it, it just showed me that one person has too much control and um but yeah i, I gotta go off topic but yeah i just uh just can't cannabis really gave me my whatever i was
0: because
1: i was I was, a, I was a disaster when i first got out of the marine corps
0: and uh it really helped me a lot well, we're going to go into our first sponsor break here at the lone star collective i'm your host jesse williams this is episode 18 our guest is zach vance he is a candidate for lieutenant governor on the republican ticket we will be right back <laughs> Wayne You know it would be cool if your business was mentioned on a podcast several times an episode. Well, you could have a slot right here on the Lone Star Collective just like the one I'm doing right now. Show your community that your business supports changes to social welfare regarding cannabis in Texas. Inform our audience that you are a supporter of independent journalism and the activism work we put in while informing them about your business. Let your customers know where you are located and what you offer the community. For more information on getting your business mentioned on Lone Star Collective, visit texascannaco.com. That's t x c a n n a c and click the contact tab.
3: Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes,
2: Google Podcasts, facebook and much more to give texans information regarding policy industry and culture here is this week's host jesse williams and austin Sam hariri
0: I've been around the world I've seen some pretty faces Been with some beautiful girls After all I've witnessed One thing still amazes me
2: Just like a miracle You have to see to believe
3: Welcome
0: back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams, joined by guest Zach Vance. He is a candidate for lieutenant governor on the Republican ticket. My co-host, Austin Zampereri joining me. How's everybody doing today?
1: Doing great. Thank you for, thank you
0: for having me again. Appreciate having you Bless, here. Man.
2: The, uh, the weather's beautiful again. It's like summertime right now. In North Texas. I
1: flipped the switch. Yeah, it was cold yesterday I, or freezing the day before and then. Nice
2: and nice and steamy <laughs> again. Yeah. this weather is—it's um, crazy. It, it, sometimes it can be cold, sometimes it can be hot, and then um, that's kind of like Texas politics. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, totally. it's and then the funny thing is, is it's going to be cold again this weekend. Like another front's right, going to come right. through, and it's going to rain, and it's going to get cold and miserable again.
2: We're not yeah. expected to
0: have our first freeze
2: up here until. Um, after the new year, like we're they're pro- projecting sixty degree weather on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be kind of a chill, you know, or not chill, but like a very uh, mellow Christmas. And then I think we're all kind of like holding our breath for late January and early February, if if earlier this year is any indication of what we can expect. Absolutely, I don't, I don't know if we can handle another. Uh, Ice storm that happened like it did this earlier this year. It'll be the nail in uh, Greg Abbott's coffin if it does, because
1: if because he guaranteed that the the grid was weatherized and stable, and
2: if anything happens, (laughs) it's gonna be it's gonna be rough for him in the primary. Yeah, I imagine because right the primaries will be in March, and uh, yeah, well, so let's let's transition into that. Um, Tell tell us a little bit about your campaign. Give us a little. You know, minute to minute about who you are as a candidate, what your priorities are and, um, you know, how you think or how would you differentiate yourself from the lieutenant governor and be most effective? Um, Mike, this is a campaign about people over everything.
1: First off, no more bullshit. And then people over everything. There's too many people that need too many things that they just either don't care about or it's just not on their radar. Um, like the housing um, and property taxes Dan Patrick's ran on property taxes for the last 12 years and it's, they haven't gone down at all. but uh, for me it's just just putting people over everything that uh, I campaigns kind of off to a slow start um, just really trying to get my name out there. I, I just really throw my head in because I'm, I'm a good person. I really care about people and wanting to make people's lives better and we just don't have that right now. Dan Patrick does not give a shit about anything besides keeping that office, staying in power and being able to stop all legislation that he doesn't like that comes across his desk. For me, um, I have a lot of things I want to accomplish. Um, getting people, uh, getting as many Texans as possible on some form of healthcare. Um, teachers right now, they are their classroom sizes are getting larger and larger. There's fewer and fewer teachers. They don't have subs to, 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 for them to go on vacation. They have to combine classes so one teacher can get out. And their pay is not going up. That has to change. Our teachers are hurting so bad right now. Um, law enforcement across Texas. Uh, I'm a big. I'm I'm back the blue a thousand percent. I'm a police in my family, and just I hear that with Austin being so low on numbers of staff, um, emergency services, uh, uh, paramedics. They there's so little of them that they're all taking their retirement. They they just can't handle the workload. We just need to figure out a way to get more people hired on at these local departments. I know the state can come up with something to help, uh, help uh, the police across the, the state be um, back to operational capacity with employees and, and just really take care of them, make sure they're, they're treated good pay-wise and everything. Um, I know the for me, one of the things I want to focus on is the, uh, the rape kit backlog. I know they just got some more money so they can start working through that, but that really is a big issue. I, I, I think people who commit sex crimes or commit violent crimes need to go to jail for a very long time and that's not happening they're getting out um they shouldn't get bond or they should get a bond but it should be extremely high for them not, not they can't pay it um, but just people who commit sex crimes to me i don't think there should be a a sex registry the registry should be cell six block eight because they stay in jail if, if a person can commit a sex act over the age of 25 with somebody that's under the age of 12 they don't ever need to be back on the streets ever. I want I want life sentences to be handed out for sex crimes. Um, another thing is uh, lowering property taxes. That it, that has to happen. The biggest burden on people is um, uh, people who are uninsured that go to the emergency room. That bill is charged back to the homeowner. And if I can figure out a way, another source of revenue for that, that would that would lower property taxes so much. And uh, people who are over the age of sixty-five. Um, I think that we should, in Texas, you, you pay property taxes forever. But I think if you're over the age of 60, 65 or older and you've been in your home for 20 years, you should, we should give you your home. You shouldn't have to pay property taxes anymore. I think property taxes should end for appraisals too. Um, your, home, your home shouldn't be reappraised every year at market value. The price that you purchase your home for should be the price that you're taxed at for the entire time or for that 20 years until you can get off, that, get off the scale when you turn 65 in 20 years. Um. Just, uh, just so many things that, I, it, it's it's unfathomable to me that the state is letting people who have been in their homes for 30, 40 years, and and just because they're in the Austin area, they oh, your home is this much now. They can't pay that. They're on fixed incomes and they have to sell their homes. It's like they're trying to get people kicked out of their homes so they can tear it down, build a nice new one for a whole bunch of money and get that new tax revenue. People that that kills me on the inside. Uh, foster kids, their their lives are. There's so many of them living in on office, off in hotels or on the floors and offices. That should have never happened. Um, We just really need to take care of our foster kids. I want it to be if you're if you because they just ended um, the the, they just enacted the heartbeat bill. Um, There's going to be so many new foster kids. It's going to overwhelm the system, and they haven't done anything to make these kids' lives better. I want it to be if you're a foster kid. It's like you won the freaking lottery because the state's gonna take care of you because you educated and put you on your feet. But most of the kids that end up sex trafficked are kids that aged out of the foster care system and they have nowhere to go, or just the whole time of being a foster kid just really messed them up. And and they just they just need help. And just so many people need help. And that's that's what that's really what I'm doing this one.
2: Real quick, um, and, and I, I'm glad you bring this up. Texas has a very bad, very bad habit. And we know this from the cannabis space, just from from the hemp space, Texas has a very, very bad habit of passing laws and not really considering Thinking the, the aftereffects, consequences effects. of what they're going to of what they're passing, and, and having any kind of plan or any kind of funding whatsoever to they deal. Do, yeah, they don't do
1: good. They make you feel do things that make you feel good, and they don't have any kind of plan. After that, Sorry, i didn't mean to get you off.
2: Yeah, I know Jesse can expound on that because we've seen just problem and problem arise from the hemp bill that you know they just they had and then and then when we try to fix the hemp bill they it just gets sabotaged it's a
0: knee-jerk reaction that happens with everything and that was something that happened with our hemp bill was there was no debt money dedicated to texas department of agriculture there was no money dedicated to department of state health services they weren't even given like department of state health services wasn't even given their own account to put specifically the hemp money in that they, they got for licenses. So from my understanding, that money had to go into a general fund, and, well, COVID hit. So all that money that, that should have went towards, hey, let's go and inspect shops. Let's make sure they're, they're presenting labs correctly, and everything's QR coded like it should be. None of that happened because they didn't have the money for that because it all went to another fund. And I'm not saying it's bad that it went to COVID relief, but that was something they brought up in this legislative session, and at least the bill that was possibly going to go through was going to address that, but it was a little too little, too late. Yeah, and it became yeah. a disaster.
2: Right, and like things that we're talking about, like for instance, when they legalized 0.3% THC, well, they technically legalized Delta 9 THC, even in a minuscule amount, and that caused repercussions from an enforcement standpoint because then you had big, you know, DAs from huge Texas counties just dropping cases cause they said, well, you know, we can't, we're just not stuck our money out. We don't have the money to test for this. So we're not going to, we're just going to drop the case. And then we have governor Abbott and I think even Lieutenant governor Dan Patrick coming out saying, no, 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 You guys keep enforcing Texas law when it comes to marijuana. Um, and, and so it was just a lot of these collateral consequences that, that happen when the state of Texas passes these laws, and it's not like we we can. Man, there's like a, like a huge quick fix. We have to wait two years for another legislative session, unless the governor calls a, a special session. So it definitely won't I, be on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely appreciate that you understand that that there, yeah. Even with things like the heartbeat bill, um, there is a massive undertaking that also comes with that kind of you know, radical change, um, especially from a federal government standpoint. So we're talking.
0: Well, we're going to go into our second break here at the Lone Star Collective. This is episode 18. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. We're joined by guest Zach Vance. He is the lieutenant governor candidate on the Republican ticket. He's one of those candidates. And we will be right back after this sponsor break.
2: You can set my truck on fire and roll it down a hill and I'll stay and traded for a coupe I got an eight foot bed That never has to be made You know if it weren't for trucks We wouldn't have tailgates I met all my wives And traffic jams are just something Women like about a pickup
3: man You know it would be
0: cool if your business was mentioned on a podcast several times an episode. Well, you could have a slot right here on the Lone Star Collective just like the one I'm doing right now. Show your community that your business supports changes to social welfare regarding cannabis in Texas. Inform our audience that you are a supporter of independent journalism and the activism work we put in while informing them about your business. Let your customers know where you are located and what you offer the community. For more information on getting your business mentioned on Lone Star Collective, visit texascannaco.com. That's txcanaco.com dot And click the contact tab. Welcome
2: back to the Lone Star Collective podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Austin Sam Hariri.
1: sign. where well, there's a honky tonk near the counter line. The joint starts jumping every night when the sun goes down. They got whiskey, women, music, and smoke. It's where all the cowboy folk go to boot, scoot boogie.
0: Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. This is Episode 18. I'm your host, Jesse Williams, joined by co-host Austin Zamhereri, and our guest this week, Zach Vance. He is a Republican candidate for lieutenant governor in the election of 2022. Welcome back, Zach. Thank you, thank you. Austin, do you have any final thoughts? Um, I'm just no. I'm I'm really excited.
2: Uh, I guess one last request I might have, and um, we we are building out a veteran group uh, of our organization, uh, and. I, I can't get into too many details about it because we're still building it out. We've looked to unveil a lot more of that in the beginning of 2022, but uh, as we have this veteran group, Zach, um, I'm hoping when we start meeting as a group and bringing in veterans where they can connect and we can talk about cannabis and, and healing uh, and holistic approaches to uh, recovery, um, I'm hoping that you'll come out and you'll speak a as a political candidate and b as a veteran in Texas. Cause we'd love to have you a part of that.
1: Yeah. I'd love to That's, that's huge. i um, just getting the veterans together and sharing our, our stories, what we've been through. And, and if they are not, not a, if they're new to cannabis, just how it, how it is medicine. It, it does help. I mean, there's, I guess there's a point where you can use too much, I guess. Cause I'm, I'm, I can, I've seen people that kind of, they're still going through problems and kind of put all that weight on cannabis. But cannabis is so much better than trying to, if you can't sleep at night drinking a two pints of whiskey or a whole six pack IPA IPAs just to go to sleep. Just cannabis is such a better alternative for veterans and it didn't just having a group together to, to have camaraderie. I think that's, that's huge.
0: I wanted to ask you about your military experience. Um, this is a Navy vet myself, but I never got to really leave the States. And you mentioned already you went overseas. So you've got this larger view. And I wanted you to give some of your background as to what you did in the Marines to give the audience and voters an idea about who you are as a military person, the veteran.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, um, I, when I was 22 years old, I, I kind of wasn't going anywhere in life. I, I had a, uh, I used to go to the Stephen F. Austin state university and I joined a fraternity and had a time in my life, but I didn't do well in school. So I ended up dropping out and I started going to a community college, went to Collin County, uh, Eastfield community college. And, uh, and had some car problems, had to drop out. And I was living in uh, Louisville and, um, and I was, I had family that's in the Marines. And so I said, Hey, what, what do you think I should do? And they said, Hey man, just join, join. it'd be good for you. And so I ended up joining, but I had to join, uh, I had to go into the reserves. And so uh, in 2008, I joined the, the Marine Corps reserve and then got to my unit in uh, 2009. And at the end of 2009, they said, who uh, who wants to go to Afghanistan? And I said, hell yeah, I want to go. And um, so we got activated 2010. And so we went from March to, well, we got to Afghanistan in March. I was a, a, a truck driver. I was in uh, motor transportation, specifically a, uh, uh, it's called a logistical vehicle system. I was trained for that, but I never really drove it. But that was my MOS, uh, LVS operator. And I just drove uh, seven tons around. But I, in Afghanistan, I was, uh, I, we just ran convoys across Afghanistan, just middle of freaking nowhere, and just tried to dodge IEDs. And, uh, 2000 and then June uh, 10th, I hit an IED and it, it really messed my leg up. And, um, it just, it was, I don't know. It just, it just, really messed my leg up for a while. And so I had one surgery when I first got back to, uh, to California and it really, that that surgery helped my foot, but it still gave me so much pain and I couldn't, I spent the next, like next year just to doing physical therapy and, and trying to get my life, my foot better, but it just wasn't getting better. And in 2012, I had one more surgery to, to fix all that. And it finally helped. And I was able, finally able to get off the pain medicine. But by that point, it was, I was too far gone. So, so I had to go to an inpatient rehab center. And, uh, and it took four months, but I finally got off all that. And, and, uh, but I was still kind of a wreck. I, uh, I retired and I, I got put on, put on a, it's called temporary disability retirement. And I got put on that in 2013 in August when I left the Marine Corps. And then I, I finally got my my retirement retirement in 2017. And I graduated at the same time I graduated from uh, the University of North Texas. And I went back to school, um, got a degree in media and just lost me pretty good. Where'd you go to school? Uh, I was going to uh, community college in Denver first and then uh, for, went there for a semester and then came back or two semesters and came back and started going to I got accepted to University of North Texas their uh, radio film and television program and that was awesome i had a blast yeah
2: i love i love that you have so many north texas connections especially denton county because i grew up in denton i i grew up in Louisville and denton and so i'm a, a denton county boy right and so like me you probably know a lot of the same streets um, yeah you know in Louisville, and then also in denton as well being you know, i graduated from. Billy Ryan High School, and that's that's the big high school that like goes to all the state championships and has for a long time. So um, I love that that you know that you you understand Texas. You know about Texas communities. Obviously, live in the Austin metro area. Um, uh, yeah, thank you so much I'm, for telling no, the story. No, thank you. I I kind of I lived on all, all over Texas
1: from Nacogdoches, Houston, uh, Louisville, Rowlett. Uh, I went to, I graduated from Saxe High School. Um, But yeah, for for a long time, uh, Louisville and Denton area is my stomping ground. So it was, and then once, before I joined the Marines, and then it was after I joined the Marines, so or after I got out. So I love, I love Texas and I love Texans and things have to change. Things are not good right now.
0: Yeah, I wound up, I got stuck in Virginia in the Navy and got to, got to a ship. I was like, oh yeah, they're going to send me to the Enterprise. And they're like, no, the Enterprise is going into the shipyard. (laughs) <laughs> and oh. I I literally asked to go do what you were doing. Like when I signed up for the Navy, I was like, I don't want to hold a gun. Like I'm, I'm an honor roll student. I'm into technology. I'm not, I'm not looking at getting shot at. And quickly I got in the shipyard. I was there for like six months. I was writing in request chits. Like, please take me IA. Please send me to a war zone. <laughs> Anywhere but here. Yeah. Let me, let me get after it. It's like yeah. I, I, so I commend you for doing that. Like right off the bat when they were mm-hmm. like, Hey, do you want to do this? You're like, yeah, send me. I'm like, yeah
1: the first group was already gone. They were already taken off to Iraq. And that was one of the last uh, deployments in, uh, and, uh, I guess for my unit was to Iraq. And then before they even got back, they were starting to say, Hey, we we got an Afghanistan deployment coming up. And it was kind of like, I just wasn't, I didn't have, I didn't have any family at the time or just, I had no, I had no white kids and I just wanted to do something. I joined the Marine Corps as I first, I tried to join as an infantry and, uh, some stuff happened during the process at MEPS and, uh, I ended up not being able to join. So I went to a different recruiting station and kept on my paperwork and had to have an interview with the uh, commanding officer. And he's like, yeah, I'll let you in, but I'm going to pick your job and where you're going to be stationed at and everything. So I was like, all right. And then I finally got the opportunity to to try to get some and I took it.
0: Yeah, I remember going through maps. That's its own little unique experience. Uh, (laughs) That's where you first learn about what we call hurry up and wait. And there's a lot of that, (laughs) a lot of that in the legislature as well. Hurry up and wait. Oh, that's
2: the, me and Jesse—we talk about it all the time. But we can testify because we did testify. Uh, we were waiting for uh, just this last legislative session, penalty reduction bill. Uh, we were actually uh, strategically testifying on a specific Republican penalty reduction bill because we wanted to show support to the the Republican side of the initiative because. Uh, we understand the politics and the political reality in Texas. Right. And in fact, the, the Republican bill that had been presented to this to the 87 legislature, that was actually the better penalty reduction bill. So we were there and we uh, we were at the Capitol and, you know, we had gotten there at two in the afternoon, three in the afternoon uh, when the bill was originally potentially supposed to be heard. We knew it was going to happen to about seven or eight which some of the penalty reduction cannabis bills got heard, Uh 2593 Moody's bill, the the concentrates one we talked about earlier that had been heard, but not the particular bill that we were for representative Toth, a I'm sorry. And um, so yeah, we were there.
0: Oh, they played around with his bill. Like they told him, Oh, your bill's up next. And he walked up there and they're like, Oh no, your bill's not like to like three bills later. Ha <laughs> ha. And it was like, that's right. what has to change. Oh, the, and they said this out loud. It wasn't hidden. They were like out loud and out front about this.
2: Yeah, we we ended up testifying at like four, like po- it's kind of poetic. It was like four twenty, four thirty in the morning, um, <laughs> at the Capitol, and uh, it's it's kind of it's surreal to be in the Capitol building, right, in the heart of like legislative process at like 4 o'clock in the morning, when the janitors are walking around. Um, <laughs> yeah, they were going home. Yeah, we, um, but yeah, we know about that. You know, there's just. There's get just rigged. too many
1: fuck-fuck games in the legislative session. Uh, just, we need to, it just needs to be a very smooth pr- process. Know what, know what people need, figure out some bills that, that could possibly be uh, just heard on committee, say whether they like them or not. But it, it just needs to be a better flowing process. Like how you said, oh, it's the hurry up and wait. It shouldn't be like that. It, it, we really need to all work together, all get on the same page, and just let people come up there and say how they feel about these bills and not play any more games. It's, it's too much bullshit.
0: So where can people find out campaign information for you, Zach?
1: I'm on uh, Instagram at 4ABetterTexas with the number four. You can almost on Twitter too at 4BetterTexas. Um, but yeah, just reach out to me there. I haven't been, I've not been still raising money um, to, I, to launch my website, but uh, yeah, just, you can find all my information on Instagram and Twitter at uh, 4 number 4ABetterTexas.
0: Awesome. Well, that is going to wrap it up for episode 18 of the Lone Star Collective. Our guest, Zach Vance, who is running on the Republican ticket for Lieutenant Governor. I'm your host, Jesse Williams, joined by co-host Austin Zam Zamhareri. We hope everybody has a great day. Thank you. Adios. Adios.
3: You got to kick a little, it cause a stir. Sometimes you gotta make some noise to be heard. If anybody ever tries to hold you back.
2: kick a little